have anybody who wants to ask a question, ask a question. And then both John and I will we'll sort of take turns answering or answer it from our own perspective, our own experience. Uh, you may get similar answers. You may get different answers. Um, and we may switch up depending on uh, who feels inclined to answer a specific question. So we'll go from there. Um, so feel free to raise your hand, anybody. That's a first. No one raised their hand. <laughs> we can just Good. sit in silence. <laughs> we can sit in silence. <laughs> okay, we got a hand up. All right. So this is my. Uh, I'll lower your hand and go ahead and unmute yourself and say hi. Like that. Hi. Hi. Um, I was on here a couple of times ago. Um, I've gone through some shifts and uh, it's fine. Uh, I was kind of cocky through the week uh, thinking I was gonna ask something about the free will because it seems like there is no free will, that's clear. But also it seems like my patterns have changed. Um, and so I wonder a little bit about that, but these couple of days I've been listening to this um, sixth feather Better uh, about um, how things are disappearing or, or becoming um, pixelated. I become very disorientated, uh, disoriented, and, and things are curving that are not supposed to be curved. Uh, and I'm a little bit more nervous today. Um, so the thing about the free will is only if there's no one else uh, asking anything, it would be nice if you could talk about how that free will could seemingly change, like the pattern changes and then the free will seemingly changes. I don't know. Are, but, are you asking uh, how those two are connected? Like the sense, the sensory or the visual field changes and the free will, is that, is that what you're asking? No, actually it's two different things. It's just uh, that, I was thinking about asking about the free will and, but now today it's more, it's more present with the thing that things are dissolving or I, I can feel, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was working with my hands and I, I sort of saw something that was, I'm not supposed to, I'm, I'm not usually seeing. And then I recognized um, the feeling or a, not even a thought, but something like, nah, I'm not going to go there. So can you talk to that? Sure. Do you want to start, John, or you want me to start? You can go ahead first. Sure. Yeah. So what you just described is not uncommon when you start to really look into your, your visual field specifically and start to look for any perceptual filters that say I'm here and there's objects out there or that there is a, a physical world out there, that there is form, that there is distinctness, separation. When you start to really investigate that in a direct way to the point where it starts to change or you start to see the overlying uh, appearance that the mind produces is not actually there, uh, 
there's a whole range of experiences you can have in response to that. One of them is what you described, and that is you can suddenly see things look like curve that should be straight or flat that should be deep, or some sometimes you see right through things. And sometimes that's like, oh, cool. Other times it's like scary, right? Like, whoa, uh, the feeling of me being apart from that can, can all of a sudden just be gone or be intertwined with it. Um, the feeling of distance can just collapse such that you feel so close to everything and almost feel suffocating. Like these are just perceptions because of what's remaining of the sense of the separate self going, how do I navigate my world? How do I keep my world intact in reference to all of this non-separation? So it's, it's not a fundamental problem, but it feels like it to that part of you that wants to stay alive as the separate thing. Um, and it can be scary. It can be like, well, that's, you know, and, and I have had people say that where it's like, Oh no, no, I don't, I don't want to go there. Right. I can, and you can almost force yourself back into the mind in a way in those moments Yeah. over time. Yeah. Over time. What I find is that you'll bump into that fear a few times or maybe a bunch of times, but it will subside and it will, it will feel very natural at some point. It won't feel scary. It won't feel like dysphoric. But it's, it's not even, it's not even scary. The thought, um, the other, um, I don't know, gates I've been through or veils that been taken away or something, it, it's been much more uh, physical, like, <gasps> you know, like really scary. This yeah. is more like, uh, oh, oh, not another one. I, I... <laughs> it's yeah. exhausting. It's been yeah. going so fast. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for about six months, it's been, or four months, really fast. Yeah. Things just go away, go away, go away. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you could say that's a subtle form of fear or it's just a subtle of, um, remaining avoidance saying no yeah. to, to what it is, avoidance. but, but you instinctually, it sounds like you instinctually know this is where this goes and yeah. it all, it all definitely settles to this place where it's not like you're walking around all the time going, Whoa, everything looks so bizarre. And like, you know, it's not really like that. You, you will settle into it and you'll be able to navigate the world with that symbolic framework. It's not like yeah. you forget how to function in a parent space. You just know there's no, there's no actual space there. There's no distance and separation and objects and so forth. And that's the world you live in. Um, yeah. So it will, it will generally just settle, I would say. Yeah. I don't know if John has anything to add to that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It sounds like there might be a little bit of resistance just when you start to notice that. Um, but it obviously is a big change from how we normally construct the world through our perception. Um, and then I know you didn't specifically ask about the free will thing, but I'll just point out with that. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it right now. I think just keep investigating what you're doing and the free will thing will answer itself. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I was, I thought to say that when you were talking about it and I, that's right on the money, it, it just becomes so obvious that it's not even a debate or a conversation. What's interesting is on occasion, someone will ask about it very early on. It's like an intellectual curiosity. Is there free will? And I'm like, it's just going to be philosophical for you right now. Don't worry about it. It's not helpful. But no, no, at yeah, some point, I, I know I, yeah. this. I know though. Yeah, that, I know that, you do. That that's completely clear. I I read uh, audio. I narrate audio books, and it's so uh, wonderful just to sit inside and just let this happen. Just read from the page and just 
it, that's that's a very easy place to notice that I'm not doing this. Yeah. Um, but it's also very clear that something has changed. Like I don't exercise that much. Uh, my appetite has changed. Uh, some things have clearly changed. And so to the mind that just seems strange why that was not like that before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree that that is very common as well. Like behavior, behavior patterns that are sometimes sort of based on habituated patterns of thought, belief, um, self-referencing. Sometimes they're uh, uh, avoidant, avoidant behaviors that help help the mind stay avoidant in certain ways. They just kind of stop sometimes, but things will shift yeah. around. It's it's not uncommon. Um, so, and as you know, it's not like you can do anything about it <laughs> or, or that you need to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Great questions. Okay. All right. Let's go to Bob. Okay. Um, I guess my question is around dopamine hits. Uh, the last two days have sort of been coming really close to, I don't know, something, whatever it is. Um, but it sort of feels then the mind is so sort of like, you know, do that for a couple hours. And it's like, all right, need some dopamine hits. Let's see. Uh, what can I read or what uh, you Netflix show can watch for the fifth time, you know, because I'm addicted to the emotional high points. I love to like um, an emotion vampire. It's like, okay, watch it five, six, you know, hit the favorite pieces. So it's sort of, um, I don't know. It's not really sure I'm asking. It's weird. Um, and I know deep down that's like, there's a gooey core, emotional core here. So it sort of feels weird that I'm seeking that external to myself. Mm. Yeah. And vibrating here. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. John, you want to start or you want me to start? No, no. Yeah. I, I think you're at least starting to notice that, or it's good that you're becoming aware that when you don't have those dopamine hits, there's something coming up telling you that this is uncomfortable. I need to go find the dopamine. And mm -hmm. I know all about that. I have ADHD, so I'm treated now. But I think what would be beneficial would be now you've seen that when you don't have that dopamine, something's coming up. You have to find a way to sit with that and investigate what it is. It's not a bad thing that you're realizing, hey, I got to go watch Netflix or something. Mm -hmm. Because before it may have been, you just went up and did that. You didn't realize you were doing it to avoid something. Now that's become apparent. Um, I think you just have to figure out what it is you're avoiding. Okay. I agree. I, I think that's exactly right on. That's what I would have said, actually. That's what I was going to say is, Notice noticing it is good. If, like if if you're just in this flow of constantly seeking dopamine hits and just in the mind and all that, it's very this stuff's very hard to get to. But once you go, okay, I notice this pattern where something's happening or not happening, but for some reason I feel to go watch this or do that 
And at the same time, some part of me says, uh, maybe there's something, this gooey core, there's something else here going on. That instinct mm-hmm. is good. And what John's saying is right on the money. Just take your time. Um, even if you go watch that thing later, that's fine. But give yourself a half hour to just sit with no distraction before you do it. And just just start asking, like, what's here? Was there emotion here? What am I feeling? Sometimes you notice what it was that triggered that thought. Could have been like a moment of confusion about something, a moment of frustration about something. And sometimes you just start to feel this underlying sense of, oh yeah, I feel a little restless. Um, I feel like there's something I don't want to like look at right now. There's something I don't want to think about. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. I don't want to think about that because it's uncomfortable, you know, and then the emotional come. And sometimes you can investigate the, the depth of that emotion by going, okay, what are the sensations in my body that are associated with that emotion? And what is the narrative of the emotion? Like, what is the storyline that seems to be associated with it? Um, and just looking at those sometimes really um, opens up, a, it starts to feel, and it may take some time, starts to feel like it opens up these avenues to kind of get into deeper parts of yourself, into that gooey core. And then what I think happens over time is those habits may subside a little bit, or they may take some time, or they may not. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is, you're addressing a different part of things that was maybe being avoided. And then you'll start to do that maybe spontaneously, even um, in other settings when it didn't seem like there was a distraction and it will start to open itself up. And and I think that's where part of you wants to go and investigate. That's my sense. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, Mark. On mute. Sorry about that. <laughs> All good. Uh, well, since there's not too many hands up, I just thought I'd share a little bit of my experience um, these last couple months. It's been really interesting. Um, I started watching your videos probably like November last year and did like the online retreat, all that. And it's just been a constant, you know, constant changes. It's been really fascinating. Um, but I noticed like a couple months ago, like the seeking, the seeking just stopped. And it was like, it has this feeling of like, it's amazing that it's, it was such a long journey just to get to like, what's right in front of my face. And, and it, like, it feels so simple. Yeah. Um, and then um, I would just wanted to point out like last night, I just got these surges of energy. Like I was just watching Netflix and I just got these, got these surges of energy and like this tingling in my head and and like ever since like you guys were talking about the changes in the visual field, it's like it's come in like so close and like so overwhelming, like like I don't even know. It's almost like the energy is almost like the the nervous system maybe trying to rewire or something because it's like it's like really, you know, I had that last night and then this morning I woke up and it's like, you know, it's just, it's just all hitting me. And then I had. I had some anxiety arise uh, and and it was like, so it was so intense, Mm -hmm. but, but yet it was like so short lived, but it was like, holy cow. Like, like it's like, you've been talking about, like actually feeling it, feeling it fully. Yeah. And it's, and it's all, it's, it's like, there truly is everything so close that you just, I can just feel there's just like, 
there's like no escape from any of it. Like, it's just like, holy cow, you know, like it's kind yeah. of this, I think I'm just kind of feeling into it. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing too, because it's like, there's just, there's such a, a curiosity about the visual field mm-hmm. that's not really related to the objects in it, but it's just like the closeness yeah. of it. So I, I'm just, I just kind of wanted to share that it's, it's, uh, just fascinating right now so awesome you're waking up fast i mean this this is happening very fast for you um the energetics of it can be surprising and it's funny when people talk about spirituality it can be kind of a like a joke about the woo-woo-ness of spirituality talking about energy and stuff but when you start to feel it going through your body it's like whoa holy shit that's like really it can be (laughs) surprised like you stuck your finger in a light socket or something you know um, or just very, in, very obviously n- not the usual ways energy moves through the body and it's obvious. Um, so that's to me is a bit of a side, it's just a side effect of the fact that this is happening quickly for you. Um, and the visual field thing is interesting. You may have actually, um, sort of dissolved that subject object construct. You, you can look at it yourself if, if you want in your experience, you can just sort of come back to see if is there's a sense, is there a sense of a separate one back here? that's holding a distance from objects and, and visual experiences out there at all, or are they kind of one continuum that's just interwoven all the time? And it may be that that's not there anymore. So that's when everything feels really close. can also feel like everything's flat for a while. Like the, the you know, like you look out and the visual field just looks like this flatness. Although you sense there's something beyond that, that you sense the depth, but there's the visually, it just looks like, um, and it's super close and super intimate. Um, and all that is great. And it's all quite normal um, at some point for people, but for you, it's just happening quickly. Uh, the last thing I wanted to say, and then I'll let John answer or say anything, um, is the, yeah, that that sense of just staring into the visual field, because you, <laughs> it's hard to talk about this because it does, there's no words for it, but it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's not the apparent objects. That's not what's interesting. It's like you're staring directly into infinity or you're staring nose to nose with this incredible mystery. And it's yeah. endlessly intriguing. It's literally endlessly intriguing. And wherever you look, there's more of it. It's amazing. Um, and that that is a pretty good practice, actually, in and of itself, such that you lean into it till you can till you notice there's no bounce back into the mind. There's no bounce back starting to narrate this, starting to go, oh, this is what's happening. Here's what the visual field is doing. Like you can stay so purely into that space through that fascination that you you just kind of walk around that way. And, and that's a very good practice in and of itself. You'll start to notice other things just clarifying and dissolving, and you'll feel that presence just deepening very clearly. So that's all I have to say. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't want to add too much because it, it sounds like you're right on track and um, I don't want to over-conceptualize it for you because it doesn't seem like you're doing that too much. But that's completely normal when when we start to see things like at zero distance, that anxiety is normal, especially when just recently for you, there was a belief that there was separation. So it's going to be quite a shock, but it sounds like things are moving pretty fast for you and I would just keep going. Great. Thanks. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of emotion work for the last like five years leading up to it, which I'm kind of grateful for when I, when I feel how intense the emotions actually are. 
at, at this at this point. <laughs> like I'm glad I worked through some of them <laughs> over that period of time. But anyway. I'm not yeah, surprised. No. Yeah. Go ahead, John. Yeah. No, I was gonna say that that's a good thing. Um I think I had quite a bit of emotion work I ended up doing before I even heard about this subject, which I'm grateful that somehow I got to do a lot of it before even investigating any of this, but the emotion yeah, work extremely yeah. important. Yeah. It just becomes really sticky if none of it's worked on or you have no idea that it even exists. So thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. I I I second what he said, and, and there, there's a reason this is going fast for you. And there's also a reason it went fast for John, and it's very much that. It's um that's the stuff that just gets this so muddy and sticky afterward if it's not ever been addressed at all. Um, but so it's good that you have. Last thing I want to say is, do you, um, has anyone ever told you you look like somebody famous? Uh, yeah, my kids have told me, let's see. So my kids have told me I look like JFK sometimes. People, oh, I, I love it. I've heard all kinds of things. I don't know. But James, what do you, what do you see? James Hetfield from Metallica, the lead singer of Metallica. Oh, that's, that's hysterical. <laughs> yeah, you do. You look, I think you look a lot like him actually. Oh, that's a first. I definitely yeah. haven't heard that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take yeah, that. He's awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Well, thank great. you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks uh, for asking those great questions. And also, thank you. Thank you for emphasizing how accessible it is for everyone. Mm. Because I thought it was like a one. In, honestly, before you, I thought it was a one in like 10 million winning a lottery thing. Yeah. And and, and to not have that belief, you know, that means everything. So you know. I, I'm, I'm glad you you uh, recognize that. And I, I think that's a, such an important part of just even talking about this because it's because it's often a sort of hidden belief, meaning if we don't look directly at it and really look at why do I believe that, then what happens is we just look out, we look elsewhere. That's the problem. We look out there, we look in that teacher, we look in, we imagine how it could be. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's so much closer than that. But but if you have that seeking that's based on a sense of lack, it's, you know, it, it's hard. It's sometimes hard to stop in that way and look inward. But anyway, cool, cool, man. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Timu. Hi. Hello. Did I say your name right? Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Sorry. It's a bit dark here. I'm not sure if you can see me. No, it's anyway, great. it's. It's it's uh Teemu, actually. Teemu. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh it's an honor to be here. Um. Thank you. Um. I I hope you can hear me. My internet connection is not that good at the moment. I can hear you very clearly. Um. So yeah, I guess I could start from what Mark was just saying that I think this accessibility or this thing that awakening is actually accessible for me as well has become more obvious or it that that that's been part of the shift that i've experienced recently um and it's also very much thanks to you i have to say that uh the um well i also started doing this brain, uh, brain retraining program and that that really 
was like a lifesaver. I was like after years of health and mental health problems, like bad IBS, SIBO and uh, anxiety, depression, I would um, just come out of it. Like it took me by surprise. And I would even have like this, I don't know if it would be called like pre-taste of the sense of I am nest or but just like this, like in the supermarket, just like it just took me also by surprise. And I'm like, okay, why is this really like happening to me? And, 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 and yeah, I guess um, now I'm, I'm, I'm having an, a fresh level of trust for the process but I'm still having like this depersonalization and de uh, derealization and, and kind of dissociation going on on a sig significant level, uh, I'd say. So I'm just curious to hear what you have to to say about those things and then and, and, and maybe how to work with them like I, I basically system dysregulation is seems to be at the root of it or as far as my my understanding goes but um, I'm doing already like this I'm doing TRE with the person also you know and um, and this brain retraining and starting some somatic exercises as well in this this program called primal trust uh then then doing yoga but um yeah i don't know that that that's uh what what now came out of my mouth i guess i don't know what uh what you'd have to say first sure john do you want to say anything or should, should i start yeah no i'll go um i'm just going to probably talk about the accessibility thing um I'll let you handle the depersonalization. I think that's probably ends up being more something where emotion work, possibly like therapists, psychologists, so it can get sticky. Um, but the accessibility, I think, I think the reason so many people think that, and I thought it before, was whether it's just our culture or we kind of have this idea that awakening or Buddha, whoever it is, that they what we call awakening is like they got something but i think it's important to realize when we say realization we're realizing something that's already here so what's accessible is at the end of the day there's there's no words to describe it but we're all experiencing it so it's accessible to anyone who wants to see it it you don't get anything you don't gain anything it, it's already here so i, th I think it's good for people to realize how accessible it is and just to realize it's it's not some tangible thing out there that only a special person can have um we all have it hmm. right. um yeah so as far as the the depersonalization and derealization um a couple of things and john pointed it out and i think that's true but a couple of things are really helpful here one is the emotion work um, emotion work, meaning just becoming really clear on what the triggers are for the deep personalization experience. Um, 
also what becoming clear on what it is that makes you start interpreting your experience as depersonalization or derealization. Because people who have that tendency to disassociate, to depersonalize, derealize, what I've found, and I've worked with a lot of them, is that partially you're just experiencing reality how it is and having a reaction to it. That's part of that's partially the case. Um, I have a friend who um has done a lot of work. She's very, very clear. And just recently she said to me, do you think my, I can't remember if she calls it derealization or depersonalization, but I know people who have these experiences describe them very differently. But she said, do you think my DPDR um, is actually a result of me uh, experiencing things as they are, but thinking it's wrong, thinking it shouldn't be that way or something like that. And I said, that's exactly what it is. In fact, that's what all dysphoria is. That's what all suffering is. That's what all resistance is. It really is, right? And so that's why, really, what John just said, like what this is already here and it's not just accessible, it's unavoidable. It's unmissable. We can't miss it. So when there's any sort of discomfort, dysphoria, unsatisfactoriness, you can be 100% sure that you're either seeing through a filter or you're judging what's actually being experienced as incorrect in some way. That's it. It's really quite simple. Yeah. So seeing how that's happening is really important, especially with DPDR, because people with those tendencies are often very clear people naturally. They tend to be quite present. Um, but there is a an avoidant mechanism to it. And it's really important to see that. Um, so I, I often tell people just ask themselves, what am I feeling? Get used to it. Ask it frequently. What am I feeling? And then find it in the body, even if it's uncomfortable, right? Especially if it's uncomfortable. If I'm feeling a little bit of sadness, feel it. You know, if I'm feeling a little anger, feel it. If I'm feeling a little bit of confusion, feel it. Just just touch in um, and get used to doing that kind of throughout the day, I think is, is very helpful. Um, and what it does is it just gets you back into touch with your body in your body sense, the senses of being in this physicality um, and understanding how those affect consciousness and the mental state, let's say, and also the perceptions of what's happening and what should I do about it? Um, because what it feels like a lot of times with a lot of disassociation is there's like, there's a link that's broken. It's what it feels like. There's consciousness way up here and it's spacious and kind of disassociating. And then there's the body sense way down here. And sometimes when people are really disassociated, they don't even think they have sensations. They'll say, I don't have sensations. I don't feel anything. And I'll say, well, pinch yourself, you know, pinch yourself hard. You'll feel it sooner or later. Oh, that, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So you have to really rebuild that link to your body. And so the second thing, aside from emotion work is um, really working in the physical senses. And that can be, I have videos on the body sense or whatever, but it, it can be as simple as just, just purposely putting your attention in your feet, feeling all the tingles, the pressure points, everything you feel in your feet, just pouring your attention into that, making that the most important part of your experience right now. Then your legs and your hips, your pelvis, your chest, your head, like until you're really feeling the whole body, like you're feeling that vibratory sensation field not a physical body because you may not even experience a physical body. You may just feel an energetic body or a sensory cloud. That's where I want you to put your attention though. And the more you do that, the more you'll be able to start to integrate everything. You'll stand, stand up and walk and you'll still be feeling that. And you'll realize, oh, wow, that sensation is what animates the body in a lot of ways. And then you'll start to feel, feel that 
cloud of sensory um, quanta, this infinite sensory quanta field in the sound field and in the visual field. And at some point, they'll all be together. They won't be separate and you won't have to move your attention here and there. And as that happens, it starts to really anchor itself into, not into a physical experience, but into the non-dualistic luminous experience to where it feels like everything's just happening and it's happening very intimately. The intimate, this kind of intimacy is the opposite of disassociation. So that's where I want you to orient yourself, however you need to do it. And I like that you're doing physical modalities like yoga and TRE, because that will help. But when you're doing those, I would suggest really putting your attention into the physical body sense, the sensations themselves, and getting used to staying with that at ongoing, even try to do it throughout the day or try to do it for a short period for say an hour and see if you can keep your attention in your body sense as you get up and move around the house and do, or apartment or wherever you are, even outside, as you do different activities, see if you can keep your attention there and see how that feels, see how it changes quality of experience. Most importantly, see how it takes you out of your head where you're not going, am I derealized? Am I depersonalized? Am I here? Am I not here? Right? That kind of spacious, wondering, sort of doubting place that feels very vacuous at some time that you might not, you might notice that's not really there the more you're in the physical senses. And then you realize you only have to ever be in the physical senses and the mind can get very quiet, but the intimacy will grow and grow and deepen. So that's how I would recommend approaching it. Mm. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. And this is recorded so you can go back over what I said because sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of forget it, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of, it almost feels like this is almost like a, like I'm in a dream even right now. <laughs> like yeah. listening to you is like through this certain funny experiencing through this veil. I don't know. Well, let me ask to... you this then. What? Well, first of all, the dreamlike quality. Yeah. I kind of have a dreamlike quality. It may not be wrong, right? There's You're a right. sort of dreamy, there's a dreaminess to this that it's not so exactly. real in, in some objective, absolute way. Not in the way people talk about it being real, right? Um, so that that's okay. But the veil part might be extra. Like, like if you think I'm looking through a veil, well, wait a minute. Here's the yeah. sensations in the body. And here's the visual experience. Where is the veil? Am I, am I actually seeing a veil in the visual experience? Or is the veil something that's being produced after the fact of the mind? That's the key. That's really important. That's like sixth fetter, basically. It's, it's a seeing that there's no dividing line in that way. But when you're seeing from the world of mind identification, there's a very clear dividing line seemingly, but most people find that normal. Most people find that stabilizing. When you wake up, you don't find it stabilizing. You find it abnormal. It's not actually there. So, so the fact that you perceive some, you probably don't perceive it all the time, but sometimes you perceive this, this little bit of a barrier. Again, you're seeing things clearly. You're seeing clearly how the mind is trying to put an overlay over the sensory experiences that doesn't really exist. And the more you start to notice, oh, that's me bouncing back into my mind to feel that veil, you lean outward into the visual experience and it's just infinity. There's nothing there that's that has to do with a self or others or boundaries or separation or it's just this like immersive experience. But, and this is a really important but, when you start to experience that, your body will respond. But that's not a bad thing. But if there's a lot of emotional repression, it will feel like a bad thing at first to be like, oh, I'm scared. 
you're not scared. You're just starting to sense the non-duality of the visual field and the body sense at the same time. And it's full on. But but after a while, it starts to feel good full on. Like it starts to feel right. Like just present, present, present. And um, that's that. Again, it's the integration. So so the, the, de, the derealization, depersonalization and disassociation stuff, it's so much about integration. I might say that all of reality is sort of a balance of integration and disintegration. And those states are uh, very much skewed toward the disintegrative, very much. So you need to come back to the middle of integration and disintegration. And that is the senses and the emotions. Is that helpful? Yeah, well, I think I got, I got a lot to digest here. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> there. Better, yeah, like I'm not sure if I could, like, could follow like like all, everything. So I think I need to yeah. really go back to this and, and, and really like let it kind of yeah settle in and and yeah yeah i think yeah. i'll thank you yeah really for yeah you're and you're willing to for, do the work which is what really matters you're the hardest yeah, thing is with somebody who disassociates and they're like no that won't work i don't want to do emotion work i'm like that's your path like you got to do it no i'm i mean i'm ready 100 to do like it 110 percent or even like or beyond like just whatever it takes like <laughs> whatever you. it takes Good yeah for you. yeah Good for you. i love it thank you yeah. John, yeah. do you have anything last uh, to say before we move on? Uh, just on the, the whole veil, veil thing, I, that I've always found so interesting is that that sense that there is some veil. And I think we talk about it either like a center behind the eyes or that sense. I It seems so concrete until it doesn't. And retro, like when you look back on it, you realize it was just a thought. Mm-hmm. But it, But it seems so much more than that. It seems so solid. And then all of a sudden, which I think you've experienced, is that's just gone. And I remember at retreat, it happened to me all of a sudden. I just tried to look back, like, where where is this, this environment coming from? Before it felt like I was seeing it from somewhere. I, that can no longer be found. It's, mm. There's no, I can't tell you where my eyes are, where my head, it, it's just gone. And at some point you will just, that's how things are. And I think a lot of times we just, a lot of it's just avoidance. This isn't normal. This isn't how it should be. Mm. But when you're seeing that, it's clear. Yeah. That's well said. Beautiful. Thank you both, really. Yeah. 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 And piggybacking off what he just said, trust trust yourself. That's what I also want to tell you. Trust yourself. You have all, you have the capacity to do all of this. And you also have the capacity to just rest and not have to struggle with anything too. But sometimes it's a balance of those two for a while. Right. I, well, I can men- briefly mention that I had so much doubt when it came to my cognitive capacity and like whether like I just have uh, have it in me, you know, like whether I, I have all that so-called con- cognitive capacity to do it. Like, mm-hmm. But uh, now that that belief is kind of dissolving I feel really, or has been dissolving, like, like I don't know. Maybe there's if if there's like there can be doubts like during throughout the day, but but underneath there is already like sort of like confidence in my capacity to do this. Like, yeah, I can do this. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Great. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Let's move on to. Uh, Amit and uh, Rinshu. Hey guys. Hello. Did I say either one of those or both of those right? 
both of those right <laughs> oh good oh excellent uh, I, I just want to continue on, on, on that conversation about that, that veil and that uh, what Ramana Maharshi used to say as the root I thought. Mm. Um, and he used to also say that uh, at some point it permanently merges from the mind to the heart and it's an irreversible process. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clarify from when we say awakening versus liberation, I'm assuming that would be the final liberation where you just shed that root I thought as well. Is that right? That's how I would define it. Yeah, I, I would say this. When the I thought, the, the, the most fundamental I thought is, is dissolved and it can go like that or it can kind of slowly come in and out for a while. Um, when that's dissolved, I would say that's liberation from personal suffering because there's no personal anymore. Now, what's weird is there can be still resistance after that for a while, but it gets resolved very quickly because it has nowhere to hide. So then it becomes almost like an energetic thing. Um, and that can correct itself over a reasonably short period of time, usually. And then you come to this place where there's this exquisitely profound equanimity, undisturbable, unmovable equanimity. And that's what I would call like full-on liberation. There's just, there's just no, there's no way to suffer anymore. And it's, it's, it's exquisitely simple. It's very hard to talk about because it's just so simple. Um, but without the self, with a self structure, and especially with the se- strong sense of division, pushing, pulling self and other, with all those intact, you can get tastes of that kind of equanimity, but they're only going to be tastes. It will not last because the will is still behind it. The personal, separate, seeming will is behind constructing those boundaries and pushing and pulling and. And so it will come back. It will co-opt the experience and so forth. So that's why those insights themselves are critical. But the subjective, the so-called subjective experience of equanimity is a result of all of this. And it's it's quite beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That, That's where I seems to be at because I, I get clear glimpses where I'm, I'm, I'm this. And even when I put my focus and attention on this, there is just this. Yeah. But there is still this localization of this from where I'm, I'm looking at. Yeah. all this and and i have this knowing that yes at, at this point at some point this localization is going to disappear as well which is i think what you guys were just talking about and but the, and there's also this fear that starts to come up of uh, of going back into delusion yeah. going back into suffering going back into assuming that i'm a separate self so i think it's, it's also that that it's it also is is the fuel that keeps pushing me forward to look deeper look deeper go deeper yes. It's not just a thought. It's beyond the thought. It's just, it's almost like a divine calling to, to know thyself. You yes. Know? Yeah. So I'll answer that one last part and then I'll have John respond. But um, the the fear that I'm going to go back into delusion, back into the yeah, completely mind identified world or whatever, that's not an uncommon one to, to pop up here and there. Um, depending on how things are for you, I would, I might answer this differently for you. I'd say you're beyond that. I wouldn't worry. It, it you know, it, when it comes, feel it, feel the fear, feel the experience of it. And that's okay. You know, hold the experience and let it be there, recognize it for what it is. But I think you're beyond that. I don't, I'm not so worried about that for you. Um, you, you, you mean you know, beyond liberation? No, no, you're beyond, you're beyond the, the point of no return. You're beyond just getting completely mind identified again. I don't, that's, <laughs> that's how it feels to me. Meaning your personal will, that sense of personal will and stuff is still, 
in it, but it, your heart is very much behind this as a, as a process, as a spiritual unfoldment. And at the same time, that which is, I'm not going to deify it or put any name to it or anything, but that which is beyond you and me and all of this, that is just not any of this, that drives this whole process, call it the, the, the living truth, call it the Dharma, whatever we want to call it, doesn't matter. That and, and the sense of you that's engaged in this and taking it very seriously and putting it forefront in your life, they're now in synchronistic uh, movement. That's how I feel it. So I think you're in a good place there. Thank you so much. Sure. John may have some other things to say as well. Yeah, I'll just add on to what you said, Bert. He might be past the point where it, it, it's as simple as if that thought comes up, there there doesn't seem to be the sense of you who's going to re-identify with it or actually believe that it means anything. Um, which it, it's, and that's know, exactly what's been happening is, is this thought would come up and it would it would shed on its own. But then the sense of knowing as well arises that no, there is more. There is more. That, so, that yeah. That's a good authentic thought to have is knowing that the one that oh I'm worried about going back to suffering, knowing that that's not gonna happen, but knowing there's more left is just really your intuition telling you that there's more left. Um but I don't think you're going to end up going back to suffering. It's just the fact that you can realize that that thought comes up and like there's a concern about it. I don't think that's going to happen. Thank you so much, guys. You're very welcome. Okay. All right. And so now we're to Kim. Hello, Angelo. Hi, Kim. I, I just wanted to um, share uh, an opening and then uh, some things that are going on now that feel a little stuck. Um, so in January, I woke up early in the morning with um, very intense, what would have been pain, except it was uh, just like severe uh, squeezing, felt like Kundalini, and it really opened up to uh, a real shift of identity to awareness. And it was, there were lots of insights, like it was very clear that um, this is all just about experiencing. And it really doesn't matter what the experience is. It's all just like a giant play. It can be pleasant or unpleasant or whatever, but it's all just fine. And it was also really interesting to kind of notice that what it felt like is that everything is coming up just due to cause and conditions, kind of like this karmic unfolding, mm. which is just happening from moment to moment. That's kind of what's all this stuff is that's that's coming up. So there was a lot of, you know, clarity. And and then, of course, at some point, there's a, a tendency for the sense of individual self to pop in and to forget. And yet when waking up from that, like there's no problem with that either. It's yeah. all just fine. And um, I have a tendency to wake in the early morning hours. It seems like that's when stuff is processing. And I've been noticing this pattern where there will be um, a lot of uh, unpleasant body sensations and emotional stuff coming up. And I can feel this kind of sense of self coming up around that. Like, how do I, how do I relate to it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of noticing that and seeing if I can 
uh, feel into the body sensations and just be present with the experience. And, um, and it, it still feels as though um, there's some sense of, of individual self that arises with this that is wanting to relate to it in some way. There must be some subtle aversion or, you know, not wanting or wanting to fix or whatever kind of old habit patterns around this, which I'm not seeing through clearly. And and maybe it's just a process and I don't need to try to try to see through it. I should just keep moving into sensations and let it un- unfold. But I just thought I'd see if you had any thoughts. Sure. Hey, John, do you want to start? Yeah, I, I think you might have answered your question like halfway <laughs> through that when you said there was a insight of you know, there's just stuff happening. It really, if you don't define it, it doesn't really matter. Like we're sitting here having the Zoom conversation, but I only know that after I reflect on it. So I think the other things coming up that might feel sticky is you've already answered that it's just the way you're interpreting it or a thought that's coming after it. Because at the end of the day, yeah, there's just a bunch of colors and sounds and all those things. And you sound like you had that insight briefly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. These insights have unfolded over a period of time. So that was like kind of the biggest level of it, but it's not particularly new in some ways either. So everything's always just arising and passing away in the present moment. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're in a good place. I mean, um, it's also not uncommon that that some uh, like some a little bit of repressed emotional material or just the residues, they they tend to pop up right when you wake up, often because you were recently in a dream state and dream states are, you know, uh, have maybe more direct access to the sort of unconscious or the the let's just say call it the personal unconscious and even the collective unconscious. But uh, yeah, if something feels really important in that space, like you wake up and there's like okay keep having the same exact feeling. It's something about, you know, a certain period of my life or something about it just instinctually feels like you want to investigate it more, more deeply and directly feel free to, it's never going to hurt. Um, at the same time, what you said at the very end is exactly right. Where it's like, maybe I just don't have to do anything. And that's true. You don't have to do anything. Uh, um, but you also can learn to trust your instinct more and more and more about, when it's time to actually do a little something, you know, do a little investigation. There's no one doing it anyway. So why not? Right. Um, and it can be, yeah, it can be, you, you can just ask yourself what, you know, what, are you, what is this trying to show me? What is well, I can see, I can see one piece of it. Uh-huh. That's actually a really an important piece, I think. And that's grief. Yeah. Um, it's because I can just see how, you know, the mind spins all these ideas about the way life should be and, and everything that there's a lot of holding on to, and then that's not the way things are. And yet there seems to be um, some 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 residue that needs to be felt around letting go of all of the hopes and dreams and everything else. That's what it feels like. Good. Yeah, you're you're clear on that. So, uh, and I love the way you said it. The grief thing is fascinating to me because it's such a strange deal. Like we will almost invariably. I'd say invariably people going through this will feel a lot of grief at different times, comes and goes, pops up here and there. And at some point it does seem to just come to an end. Interestingly, it doesn't have to, and it's fine because by the time it's going to come to an end, you're usually very much okay with it. And it's just an experience. 
but there is a lot of grief. And the funny thing is, you'll never find that which you're grieving. You'll never find what it is that's actually being let go of. But if mm-hmm. you could put a word or a sentence to it, it's what you said. It's it's all these ways you think the world should be. It's all these expectations. But even where do those even come from? Those are thoughts. They're just popping up here and there. And then something's anchoring to that thought going, okay, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> this is what's going to happen in five minutes even. When you start to live in a world where it doesn't, you have to take no reference from what's even going to happen in one minute, then you live in like the world John described. <laughs> it's just colors and shapes and forms, but it's radically intimate. It's quite powerfully intimate. And it's also endlessly releasing, releasing, releasing. The feeling of always releasing is sort of what what replaces the feeling of clarity, then grief, clarity, then grief or something. Because the grief is a little bit of a misperception, actually. Um, mm. It doesn't mean you can't grieve in the in the practical sense of life. For instance, if you have a pet that passes, you're probably going to feel grief. You're going to feel a very physical experience there. And that's totally okay. When it comes to this identity stuff, though, that grief is a little bit of a misjudgment. Um, and there's no reason to talk yourself out of it, but it will at some point just look so different. It's like, wow, I can't actually, there's nothing I could let go of. There's nothing that could be let go of. There's only this, and this is so infinitely deep and profound. I could just stare at this for the rest of my life. And that would be thoroughly satisfying, you know, and it's quite beautiful. So, um, so that, that, yeah, looking for a moment when you just let go of all of it isn't probably that helpful because it could happen quickly, could happen slowly, can taper off, or it can just suddenly you realize, wow, I haven't felt any sadness, grief, loss, gain for six months. <laughs> and I didn't even notice I didn't feel it, you know, um, because you're just so darn present in a way, uh, or there's just such clear presence. So um, the only thing I would add is if it starts to feel like something you want to investigate a little more directly is you can ask, where did my grief map arise in my life? Because it could very easily be tied to an event in childhood or losing a parent, losing a friend, losing a pet, who knows? Sometimes it is, and you can start to feel that link. And it's like, okay, maybe I want to give that some space. Maybe I'll sit for an hour one day and just really try to feel back in. What was that like? What were my beliefs forming? as a child going through that experience, the best I knew how, what did people tell me about it? You know, I'm just giving examples. If say, say a a close family member died, what did my parents tell me about this? Like when I was really grieving, what did I take on board? What what are my beliefs about it? How did I process it? Sometimes those things can be helpful as well with the grief stuff, because that's our map for grief. And and when we start to misperceive the grief of the individual falling away, we're going to refer to some map. So that can be helpful if you feel like doing it. Yeah, that sounds like that would be uh, useful and worthwhile. And um, and I can also see that this is just kind of partly based on my personality, um, wanting to fix, wanting to be in control. And that's been a really strong part of the way I've negotiated the world. And so I think even just kind of looking at like um, internal family systems, parts like that, parts like, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when, when something's that charged, it's usually valuable to go after it, but but go after it with an open heart and just a, a, a wanting to just experience it. Nothing more. The other thing, I, the last thing I would add about this is um, uh, this can be really helpful with a friend, like a, a like someone to work relationally with it, to hold the space. Mm-hmm. As long as they're reasonably clear and know what you're doing, um, it can almost be anyone, but just, just being willing to just sit there and just gently reflect back with you to, to ask you, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? And just let you actually just drop into that space fully. And just your body may shake. You may 
feel some pretty intense stuff. It may be surprising what comes up, but just let the experience define the the moment and the flow of that experience. And that may be very valuable for you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Of course. Yeah, you're welcome. That was great. I'm happy for you, by the way. <laughs> You'll always think back on January um, with that. You'll remember, you know, that season, right? Perfect time to wake up winter, right? Everything's dormant. We're going to the root. <laughs> okay, let's go to Robin. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I find it very interesting. I took a little, a couple of notes, and I didn't realize it, but it's about grief. It's very interesting how this rolls. So. Throughout my life, I've had some depressions. And, you know, when, once you get to be, you know, over 50, <laughs> you start to be able to reflect back on those instances. And I'm realizing that it was grief that things weren't the way I wanted them to be, those little situational depressions I experienced through my life. And then, so recently I had, and it, this is also about that feeling of not being enough is built into this. So I had an experience about two years ago where I was just walking from my bedroom into the living room and I was overwhelmed by this, this feeling that I, I am totally loved and totally enough. And that's kind of been carrying me along the path for the past couple of years. And then I found you and, you know, all this. So, um, so recently I was sitting with, with my partner here and uh, we were talking about the present moment. And for the first time, I allowed myself to look at it in a different way. And it was the, I felt so sad at what I saw. And I described it to him as, you know, when you're in a relationship and you find out that you're, well, hopefully not everybody knows this, but you find out your partner is cheating on you. And that devastating feeling of life is not the way that you thought it was. Mm -hmm. Everything's wrong. So I was overwhelmed by this sadness, but then all of a sudden it filled with joy. So is that kind of the grief that you're talking about? I know these things are hard to talk about. I hope I'm making myself clear. <laughs> yeah, it's really clear. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm realizing that this present moment is only looking, it's just seeing and looking. And I know that the love that I experienced that day is connected to this. So I guess I'm, maybe I'm looking for it and I shouldn't be, but I haven't found that same loving feeling here, but I know that it's related. Mm -hmm. Did I communicate that? You did. Yeah. John may have something to say. I, I can go first or John, but uh, I think John. Yeah. I think what you explained is the epitome of, your world crashing down, which it actually yeah. reminded me of the interview Angelo did with Z Dog about his wife's awakening, where Zubin kind of had that whole thing like everything I thought my life was built on just collapsed. And 
we've all gone through that, but it seems like you went through that in the way you thought reality was. And then all of a yeah. sudden you thought clearly and it was like, oh God, it's like waking up from the matrix. And yes. it, it's such a shock. Um, I've gone through that in the awakening aspect. And I've also gone through that just in the conventional way of life, you know? Um, and it just becomes a big, big, big shock because we, we get so identified with who we take ourselves to be and what we take the world to be that when we see it's not like that, it's just, it's like everything was a lie. Yeah. Almost <laughs> like I felt cheated on. I felt in the moment, not, not now it, it went away, but it's like, how, how, how dare I look at the world that way for all these years? You know, kind of a little bit of reproach for myself, but it it's went no away. Fault. Yeah, it's no fault of your own. That's just no. kind of how we're, how we're raised when we form a sense of self. Um, but it's funny when you see through that and just realize it's nowhere near what you, what the you you thought you were thought that this was. Right. Yeah, yeah, as very well said. Uh, I I can't do I can't add to that in any meaningful way. I don't think, but I um was also inclined to say, pick up on one thing John said, and um maybe yeah, coming from what you said, and that is, we with this this process, there are in one way of saying it, there are two kinds of letting go. There's a letting go of, um the way we think things are the letting go of our attachment to thoughts, letting go of our attachments to various things, even letting go of perceptual filters. There's another background thing that happens where we let go of this very fundamental belief that, that I want things to be a certain way that we actually, it, it seems so clear that no, I actually do want it to be that way. But, it, but if you really, really question it deeply enough, you'll see even the belief that I want it to be my way is itself a thought. We never actually chose to, to believe that, and it's not part of our identity. It's not part of anything. Um, so what what's so strange is we almost certainly at some point uh, with this process or with life circumstances will come into contact with that feeling of like total disillusionment of like this life is not designed to just go the way I want it to go, not in the way I've been thinking about it. It's just not. It doesn't happen that way. It's just not like that. But then we have an opportunity to look and go, but do I really even want it to be the way I think I want it to be? Do I, would I really want that? Um, what does life look like when I let go of the belief that I want or don't want anything? Some things can still feel pleasant or unpleasant, but wanting or not wanting built on top of that is a is really an added layer that's a really big jump. Doesn't seem like it's a big jump at first. But when you see clearly what's what's what and what causes suffering, you realize it's actually quite a big jump to turn the world into this whole patchwork of what I want and I don't want. It that's a veil. That's a huge veil. And it leads to the the pushing and pulling and struggle, which is like more than a veil. It's a it's a solid self that is very active and always trying to defend what it thinks it needs and all that. None of that has to happen. You can live very, very easily without any of that stuff happening. Um, and seeing that a want or a, a dislike or um, an aversion are just not even 
necessary. They're not anything but a thought. Uh, and then you live in this, this, it becomes quite mysterious. It's a mysterious experience in one sense, but it's a gloriously mysterious experience. Uh, it's right. Yeah. It's beautiful actually. It's and, almost, and I, go ahead. It, it's almost like a sleight of hand. I'll add where we think that we want these things. And like Angela said, we just were told that we need the life to be like this, to enjoy it. What we really want is freedom from needing freedom. We, we right. think these things, a house, a marriage, whatever, will give us this happiness we're looking for. But what we really want is freedom from needing any of those things. And right. it's and kind of a sleight of hand. I think a really key part of this experience was my willingness to actually look, honestly, allow myself to look. I, I didn't know how important that is to be have the willingness to look. Mm. And you've said it many times, Angelo, about willingness to investigate and to inquire. But it, it's so right there in your face that it's, that willingness has to be right there. And I just happened to do it in that moment. Mm. So that was key. And then I didn't like what I saw, <laughs> you know, I guess that's how it rolls, right? <laughs> I love how you said that. I love how you said that. Um, yeah, all, all those, all those years, right. You just didn't look like, and that's what happened. We don't, we look kind of, but we don't look with full willingness to see what's actually there. That's the right. key. Right. And right. It's a powerful act. It's in it your face. It's, it's in right your face. in your face. <laughs> it's right in your face. It's such a powerful act and it doesn't take but a second. It doesn't, it's a, it's so funny, right? Um, yeah. 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 After the pain passed, it was very much funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want to add some of oh. this is so simple, but just, just your willingness to actually look is it sounds so simple it, it's such a powerful thing though because we don't realize that we don't do that and it just like angel said it just takes a minute a second just to look um but it, it's such a powerful thing right thank you very much that was helpful thank you really great to hear from you mm. cool I mean, i'm happy for you <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are on to Becky. Hello. Hello, Becky. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. So I've been getting my question answered a bit through other um, question questions have come up. Um, I don't know even know exactly what it is. I guess just a bit of a description is that Feel like I'm struggling a bit with like a blanket of negativity and feeling a lot of emotions <laughs> um, particularly just the last five or six days trying to lean into um, like non-resistance and just not resisting whatever comes up um, the difficult part is I feel myself just 
I feel tons of negative thoughts very like heavy body I just feel very depressed so it gets very hard because the inclination is to stop um trying to go to work look after my kids like just do life and it just gets gets challenging (laughs) and it's not it's not new to me I've been at this for a few years so um, yeah I'll tell you (laughs) As you're speaking, I want you to feel all, I want you to feel that. I want to feel it with you. I want, I want that to be, I want that to have space here. That feed that feeling that it's just energy. All this, all this stuff is energy, right? I want that energy in you. that feels, that feels like such sadness right now to just have its space. It, it just needs to be expressed and that's it. It needs, it wants to be expressed and that's it. Um, it, there's nothing wrong about it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not even yours any more than it's mine or anyone else's it's a life of its own it has its own life force and it has its own energy and like any other life form all it really wants in one sense is to be what it is yeah so um so yeah we're gonna hold it together right in fact this whole group and let it be just what it is let's not try to change it let's not try to like suppress it in any way including with a label let's not use anything but complete authenticity with it. So if the body reacts to it, so be it. If their thought, if the thoughts pop up around it, so be it. That's okay. All those thoughts are fine. They're fine. Once we're in contact like this, the thoughts are fine. They can be the darkest thoughts in the world. They can be happy thoughts, random thoughts, meaningless thoughts. They're thoughts. They're simply thoughts. Okay. Including the ones about, you know, avoidance. And I just don't want to do anything now. I want to not take care of my responsibilities. Again, thoughts, right? These are, these are judgments and so forth. Now we learn this feeling that we're feeling we're staying with right now. Hopefully it just, just even keeping some contact in the body with it. What what happens is we learn at some age, everyone learns this to some degree. Some people learn it very intensely. I did. And some people learn it with a very specific coping mechanism. And that is this thing we're in contact with now, we were taught at a very long, young age that it should not be there period. You should not feel this, right? And when we're taught that, um, then we our mind goes to work helping us keep that repressed. And it does it through thoughts. And it does it through a pushing and pulling in thoughts, if that makes sense. Um, and so when we start to feel deeply and profoundly into this space, then thoughts will say- um, when we're feeling deeply and profoundly into the space, then thoughts will say whatever they need to say to try to like realign our attention to that coping mechanism that was put in place many years ago to not feel this. So when we see that, then we can also be okay with the coping mechanism. We can just say, I understand why you're here. You're trying to protect me, but I now have the capacity to fully feel this. So it's okay that there's a coping mechanism that says, no, 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 no. Let's not go here. It'll destroy us. It'll put us in bed and make us not take care of business. It will, you know, and then thoughts about being selfish, all of those things, all of them, those are just functions of the coping mechanism that we learned a long time ago. You never chose to learn it. You never chose to put this in place. You're just experiencing it now. You are a vessel of experience. So that knowing you have that capacity right now is what really matters. That's what matters. Because if you have the capacity right now, you have it an hour from now, you have it tomorrow, 
And the capacity is to, to actually let things be as they are in this moment and let an emotion be an emotion and let your attention be in that emotion right now. And also to let a coping mechanism be what it is, which is a collection of thoughts. That's okay that that's there as well right now. And you have the capacity to experience it. And part of that coping mechanism is this like little thing in there, but it's strong and it's self-doubt. It says, you can't handle this. That is also part of the coping mechanism. I'm telling you what you take yourself to be in that coping mechanism, because it's defining the rules, maybe can't handle this. But what you are, what you're experiencing right now, absolutely can handle this. It has the capacity. So even when you doubt yourself about this, that's also just part of the coping mechanism. And you can pat it on the head and say, thank you for being here. I know you're trying to protect me. I also can hold this emotion. I can hold this experience. How does that feel? Yeah, that feels better. <laughs> it feels good. So just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Just to be able to it comes down to trust, you know. And if we get in our head about, do I trust myself? Well, no, because I did this before and that, and the guilt comes. And that's not the kind of trust I'm talking about. Trust no. that if you just see things as what they are, see thoughts as thoughts, coping mechanisms as coping mechanisms, and deep feeling as as what it is. If you see things as they are, that's all you can do. Angels could do no more, as my Zen teacher used to say. You you have the capacity for presence. That's all you have to bring to the table. And then that that self doubt, at the deep that's deeply rooted here, and it is for everyone until it's not, um, will soften. It will just soften. You'll realize it's just it's ultimately just a thought or a collection of thoughts, but it is part of the coping mechanism. And the coping mechanism is trying to do its best, but it's a little misdirected. It thinks it's not okay to feel. It thinks you can't handle this, but you can handle this. You're handling it. Yeah. I remember yeah. I've been a person who's not shy to crying, which I thought was helpful. But I recently realized as a young child, I used to cry and tell a story in my head as I did it. And mm. it with the, you know, something good, something bad, just kind of like a conversation happening with all this crying. Mm. And I thought I was like, doing a good thing by you know feeling the sadness and yeah that's yeah see by that age you've already learned it you already learned the coping mechanism but that child that you're recalling was also feeling so when a child feels even when they're starting to identify they're still so present that they're so, so she was feeling it and she was starting to the, doing this identification we're going back through this cascade now and you're <laughs> back that's why you're back where she she was you're, you're seeing that space where, oh, I can actually feel and I can have the story going. And, you know, um, but like a couple questioners ago, like that asked this, um, you get to this point where you're you're beyond that re-identification. There's a part of us that fear is just going back into complete repression. And I don't think that's a concern for you so much because you're clearly doing the work. The work is right here, right now. And you're doing it. You're willing to come into contact with this. This it's all at this phase, it's about emotion. It's about feeling that emotion very directly and seeing that it's actually okay to feel deep sadness. Yeah. And yeah. And I think I'd get been trying to do that. And I feel like life brings up scenarios that will allow me to 
say yes more and um, I guess not resist and not hide from the emotion or say situation. And it might just be in my head, but then somehow I think there'll be like some type of contraction from that. So if there's something will come up and I'm able to be open, I'm able to kind of push my limits a little bit. And then I feel like afterwards, it's almost like a hangover from the, yeah. the experience. Yeah. That, that trying to remain open yeah. later experience. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of exertion. I'll, I'll tell you this. Don't worry about being open or closed. Be worried, be concerned about feeling right now. Because open and closed really is going to be like, yeah, you're trying to manage the future. And that's the sticky part where the that coping mechanism gets you up in here again somehow. Yeah. You don't need to be open or closed. You don't need to worry about anything. Just just feel. Just feel. Just trust. Because you're because you're why I say this to you is you're a feeler primarily. You're a deeply feeling human being. You are clearly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when but there's a bad combination of deeply feeling human being that learns to really that it's not okay to feel or that you can't handle feeling that's a bad setup for things that ends up in like depression and stuff it's it's just a it's an internal division that's not necessary and it's not actually there so you're coming back into this place where you're going to trust living in that feeling living in the and then ultimately the body sense and you're going to love it. it may take a little time though okay okay john Thank you. you're very welcome john probably has some stuff too yeah, I think Angelo said everything quite beautifully. Um, I would just agree that you can, what you truly are can handle whatever you're feeling. And like he said, the, the thoughts that come up, the coping mechanisms, that you can't handle it, but what you truly are can. And I think when you said that life, it sounds like life is showing you how to deal with these things. And when you're not concerned about being open or closed and you're just present, it sounds like you've said life is giving you moments to allow these things to come up and just sit with them, non-judgmental. Um, and whatever thought comes up about it, it doesn't just let it come up and just feel it. And okay. at, at some point, emotions really, they're just part of an emotion is the thought we add to it. But the other part, it's just, it's physical. It's, you can just sit with how it feels and don't worry about the thought and what needs to come up will come up. Yes. That's been getting a bit easier and yeah, something I never thought of until very recently. So thank you. Yeah, one last thing I wanted to add is um, I thought to say it when John was speaking. Um, sometimes we also have these beliefs as when this comes up, these other background beliefs that are like, you know, this is this experience right now, this feeling is so whatever, so intense, so whatever. Again, those are labels and judgments, but but it, you know, when we're when we're really starting to learn to drop in in direct contact, the mind can say, this is so much that sure I can do it right now, but can I do it when I'm taking care of my kids and washing the dishes and driving? And well, I would say if you notice those background beliefs, just test it and go, well, let's find out, stand up, stay with that emotion, stay with the sadness, go wash a dish, go do something, <laughs> you know, do, do your things. And you'll start to notice like, oh, wow, actually, no, I can, I have the capacity to experience anything in any environment actually. And that's really helpful to start to learn that. So the sort of confidence. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes a ton of sense. It used to be about hiding it, not showing it, not wanting anyone to see your face and definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's exactly it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I'm happy Thank for you. you. And okay. um, good work. This is obviously not easy work and you're going through some of the, the heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks everybody. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to Anne. Hi, Angela. Hi, Anne. Hear me good. Um, yeah, I do. I do hear you. Good. Um, a couple of things. I um, sorry. I'm just going to turn something off because it's yeah. It was just repeating on something. I, I um. Uh. Sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I'm just muting someone. Okay, go ahead. I, I'm really sorry, Angela. I'm just going to have to turn my phone off because something's coming through and I can't stop it. One second. Right. Oh, God. Um, there's a couple of things happening. One is that I got a lot of triggers going on last week and I had a one-to-one -one session with Violet which was really good and um, then after that I had kind of an, an, an avalanche of emotion and uh, there was actually a really I've been getting a very sore physical feeling here like the heart area or the neck area and it felt like a really strong emotional pain it was actually painful I, I i've not found it easy to cry for many years but but last night a lot of tears came and a lot of fear came and that was really really painful in my heart and um like the day when this happens it usually only lasts for a couple of days and then afterwards it's it's like black to white again you know it's there's a little bit of an aftermath of fear but now that's that's tending to go but at the time it's just so scary i don't know what's going on um it's you know there, there were visions of being a child in there and it's kind of showing me videos of like my worst nightmares coming true. And at the time, they're very believable, you know. So it's a bit like, oh, my God, if this gets really bad, I'd end up killing myself or, you know, doing something really drastic. That's what the mind's saying and things like that. But anyway, I just managed to breathe through it and stay with it all night and uh, kind of get through it. On the other hand, you suggested on the last talk, I asked you what would be the one inquiry, if you could only have one inquiry, what would it be? And you said at this point, I'd say, look in, I don't know exactly how you said it, but you said, look into the conscious space or the, the thought space for the next thought that comes. And so I started doing that. And I found it quite difficult at first. I mean, I do throughout the day see my thoughts constantly, but for some reason consciously doing it 
was a little bit more difficult. But when I did, it was it became so obvious to me that everything I thought was real is just a thought. And and that like it was like a weight left lifted off my chest. You, you know, you know, I just so saw through the whole sort of matrix of what is real to this one little fine flimsy string of thoughts you know that I I am a thought you know and there's those two things and I don't even know why I'm sharing this I just wanted to say it see if you could say anything about that or I've got any pointers on that because they're such extremes and they're quite you know overwhelming at times john you want to start or you want me to start it sounds like this is a current theme for today where a lot of people are <laughs> totally yeah going through the realization that the way they thought things were is not the case um but I, I think it was helpful for what you pointed out with the feeling of like the pain in the chest. And until we realize it, I don't think we know how much we like store these traumas and emotions in our body. Um, now, did you, did you say that that released last night? Was I getting yeah. that? Yeah, it went away eventually, yeah. As I was crying. Okay. I didn't know if it was still there or not. But no. Yeah, yeah we, we don't realize how much we hold things in until you can just sit with them and kind of let them go. But I'm glad that you've seen that things aren't the way you thought they were. And does that feel okay now? Yeah, I mean, in terms of seeing that I am and life is just this flimsy thought of thought structure, there's nothing there, it's empty. It's just empty. I've seen that before, and I don't, I don't understand why it keeps slipping away. I've seen through it before, you know, and even had it for quite a long time that kind of emptiness and lightness, but then it goes, and then I'm thrown into the opposite extreme of emotional pain. I think it's somewhat normal to be pulled back and forth, but mm. what what's, what's it like for you right now? Um, it's okay. It's okay right now. I'm always okay on these talks because the energy is so lovely on these talks. I think, I think. that this energy that's here, it's it's always present yeah. with you. Um, I think our thoughts or beliefs might tell us that when we leave an environment like this, that you know, other people and people who aren't interested in this and just all the everyday things 
affect that, but they really don't. I, I think it'd be helpful. Just you, you have this. This piece is always here, and you can take it with you. That's lovely. Yeah, feel that. Thank you. Thank you, John. That was really spot on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll just add a very small piece, and that is um, when you had that insight that that everything, the world as we see it, is thought. The what we consider to be reality is thought. Um, that's a huge release. It's a huge release of a a fixation. When we release when we release fixations, we release a lot of what they've been doing. And one of the things fixations do, if not the main thing they do is repress emotion. They, uh, repression sounds like such an active thing. Like, oh, I'm pushing that down. It's not like that. It, they, they, they just stay at bay. They affect us because they have gravity and they affect us sometimes in unconscious ways and sometimes in conscious ways, but they have a weight and they have a pull to them, an energetic pull and so forth. But when you scrape away a big identity barrier, like you did, um, those things come into consciousness in a very direct way and they can come out of nowhere and they can leave just as fast. So what, what you, what you might as well just know is going to happen over time is when you feel anything now, that's like say repressed material, it's going to feel extremely direct. It's going to feel engulfing. And as you said, when you're in it, like right now, you can probably think about it and go, oh yeah, I mean, I know that, I know that's true. When you're in it, it's, it's disorienting because you become it. That's normal. And that's how it goes. And it's okay. And it won't be that intense all the time. And it won't just keep coming, you know, forever. It's not like that, but you will feel some very direct stuff for probably a little while here and there. And, and your strategy was perfect. Just focus on the breath, focus on the physical sensations. You can always ground yourself into the physical sensations by touching anything, including laying on the floor, touching the floor, touching the ground. Um, and just reminding yourself all the rest of it is thought. And this, this, this is a very intense experience perhaps, but I'm also right here. And this ties right back into what John said. This, this clarity is always here. This peace is always here. It doesn't always seem like it's here, but it is always here and you, you have access to it. And, but it's a very simple way to remind yourself of that access. That's, that's the senses, but physical contact is really helpful. And yeah, you, if you have to tell yourself anything, just tell yourself, okay, I can wait this out. I can, see, I can see how long it lasts. It, it won't last forever. And it starts to become more and more direct and, and actually usually more short-lived is what I find with these intense experiences. Yeah, that's great. I, I really get the physical because I, I, bought, I bought a little teddy thing. Yeah. I saw and that at the uh, beginning. I was going to comment on it. Uh, super cute. I unfortunately got strangled last night because I was squeezing it so hard. I was like holding on, holding on, you know. So um, that's really helping at the moment. Thank Good. you. Yeah, you can consider a weighted blanket as well. I don't know if you have access to those where you are, but you probably do. They're heavy. And a lot of people really like that. It feels like you're being hugged or bundled up when you're on, just when you're sleeping. Yeah, I'll look into that. I have got an electric throw, but I'll mm -hmm. look into, which I love, I'll look into weights. I've heard that before. I don't mm -hmm. know if we have got them here, but I'll Google it. Yeah. Thank you for your, your pointings are amazing, Angelo. Thank you. So my grateful. Pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. Okay, Melissa.
thank you, Becky and Anne, for your vulnerability. I was really feeling that there with you. Um, I think I know, if I know the answer to my question, I, um, I have a list of my fixations right here. <laughs> it's, all, it's, all thoughts. it's all thoughts. You don't have to listen to any of them. That's what you're going to tell me. But uh, I, I basically, I, I, I have a pretty good life, a very comfortable life. Like the kind, like I actually operate very well in space time. I, I love space time. <laughs> I'm, I have a, lot, a great family. I have everything good. I, I have a very lucky life. And I think, the thing that draws me to this is both something I can't describe, but also just mad curiosity. I'm like, I want to know, I want to know the truth. Mm-hmm. The thought that comes up sometimes is like, um, oh, do you really, like if I get somewhere like, oh, you really want this? You don't, you don't really need to do this because you're great. You could distract yourself like the guy with Netflix for just forever. You'll be perfectly happy and a great life. Uh, so that comes up, but I know it's a thought. <laughs> but I, a lot of, yeah, I get kind of like obsessed, like, oh, is this is this what I want? And then I'm also like, there's sometimes I'm very sure that I want it and I'm doing all of the things. And I'm like, well, why hasn't it happened yet? Come on, happen. <laughs> um, and then I get like scared that I, if I get too deep, I'm going to lose my luck or life is going to sh- put something in, awful in my path. Yeah. Like, force it. And then I get freaked out. I'm like, no, I don't want anything bad to happen. I can do it with just power of curiosity. Just a t- <laughs> Angle of yeah, yeah. My own way. (laughs) What what is your what is your like deep? Well, you did say you have curiosity about this. Yeah. Uh, Um. What 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 initially brought you to this kind of subject or topic or whatever? Well, I I think like a a friend of mine recommended your book, and when I first opened your book, I was like, nah. And then I got to the end, and I was like, wait. This is real. This is a thing. Okay. Um, always been very kind of uh and I I I don't I've been just like I, I always want to debunk religion. That's been like yeah. the driving force in my life is debunking religion. <laughs> yeah. just, I, had, I, I was raised Catholic and I had kind of a visceral reaction to it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not right, but, but yeah. what is this? This isn't this can't be right. This isn't this doesn't make sense to me, but what there must be a truth that I kind of gave yeah. up. There must not really be anything. Yeah, I kind of like had enough experiences in the last couple of years. I'm like, okay, there's there's something here. Yeah, but okay, I, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer. But then I get to be like, well, they really, well, yeah, yeah, of course I do. Of course I then I get, the, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think all of that's fairly fairly typical for sure. You know, I when people ask me how it started for me, I usually say suffering because looking back, that's what it was for me. But but there, no doubt there was a curiosity as well. Like I was like, wait a minute, this can't be just this. Like there's something, I could just feel it. There's some veil here. There's something that doesn't feel quite right. Like I, I knew it. And so you seem to have that kind of motivation probably because there's no other way you would read my entire book. There's just no way. It's too, it'd be, it's very triggering for people who have a very solid mind identified internal experience and don't want to don't, don't want to jeopardize it. Um, you know, you don't get through a book like mine or Eckhart Tolle's book where it's just direct pointing. So something in you, I think knows exactly where, where you want to go. That's my sense of it. Um, there's also a part of you that has an identity or is identifying with not getting it yet, not knowing it yet. And there's a relative truth to that. 
and there's all and it's also an identity it's also not really what you are and that's what i feel it's interesting it's it feels probably comfortable in some way right yeah you seem like a very effective person you're probably the kind of person that's like i know if i do something i'm going to do it right i'm going to complete it i'm going to be good at it right Following I'm going to get the resources. Yeah, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's very, that's a good person to be in the, in the relative world. It's, it's respectable. Yeah. It works. Um, you know, you're responsible. People usually like that about you and all, all those things are great. Um, this is just not of that world though. It's, it's such a different thing we're doing here in one sense. It doesn't really exclude that world either, but it's, it's just a whole dimension different. It's, uh, and that's what you're interested in. And so that's great. Have you been interested in like altered states of consciousness in your life or anything like that? Um, not until recently, uh, yeah. where I guided psychedelic thing and that was pretty life-changing. And I guess I hadn't realized it was possible or I wasn't really, yeah. I didn't think that would get me anywhere before. Yeah. I, I, I was pretty convinced it wasn't possible to get beyond like, this is your life and that's what you got. And now this whole last yeah. couple of years, I'm like, oh, there's other stuff here. And I, yeah. Yeah. There's other stuff here, right? There's other, <laughs> another, another way of experiencing here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can relate, I can really relate to you. you sound very authentic in all this to me and makes sense to me. I would, I would be just as curious for sure. And, uh, all I can tell you is you're in for some surprises. Um, and I can tell you it's already there, just like John said. And like I say all the time, it's, it's already there, but it's, it's a refocusing of the lens. Like someone asked in the, the chat here, what, what, um, I can't remember who it was that said it, but she said, you just have to be willing to look ultimately. She, she said it took her a long time, but when she did, it was obvious. And it's, it is something like that. It's like, I could say, yeah, just look at your experience right now. And many, many, many people out there who know mindfulness would say, oh, I do that already. You, you do, but you don't, you don't, you do, but you don't. If you look closely enough, you will be, if there's something in the Thomas gospel where Christ said it, like, if you look closely, you'll be astounded. And then you'll be, I can't remember the terms he used, but it's really good. It's like, it's almost like devastated, you know, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just, um, it's a deconstruction of what you take yourself to be. And there's only so much I can say about what that means or what that is, but it, um, yeah, I can tell you this, it's natural, more natural than anything you experience in the mind. It's um, simple. Uh, and it is really ultimately where I think people want to go pretty much always in, in one sense. Um, but it gets very difficult to talk about. So I, I think you're I think you're in a good place with it. And you also have a sense of your own pace on this. And that's totally fine. I try not to push people harder than they need to be pushed in any given moment. Um, because who knows what the conditions are underneath all of it. And, you know, maybe you just need to unravel at a certain speed and that's just how it is. It's fine. Yeah. John may have something to say as well. I don't think I do. Okay. You said it well. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for your question. Uh, we have one more and then I think we can round it off. We have uh, Don. Hey. Hey, Don. Hey, Angelo. Hey, John. Um. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can extract a specific question from the confusion that's going on here. Um, I guess, um, well, I guess I should start with, I was no, notice that people say sometimes that we have 70,000 thoughts a day and I worked it out. There was like one thought every one and a half seconds. And I thought that is just like a state of Zen bliss for me, I think, you know, 
it feels like there's like a dozen thoughts tumbling over each other at any one moment it's non-stop and um so I sit in a kind of meditation posture. I don't know what I'm even doing sometimes, despite how many hundreds of your videos I watched and read most of your book. And I thought, what am I even doing here? Because um, I feel like I'm believing all the thoughts. And then so I look at beliefs. OK, that was my, I'm trying to ask you about beliefs. Um, and I look at beliefs and I try to find. So there's, you know, similar numbers of dozens of beliefs all seem to be interacting with, you know, reinforcing each other. And I try and look down into a belief. And I see sometimes quite clearly, I go, that's just from my childhood, like most of them. Um, I can see that. That's quite clear. It's not about now. And it's logically, rationally, clearly not about now. And yet I so still believe it. I'm like, what? If I saw something in the world and I saw I'm wrong about that, I have new evidence that's wrong, I would just change my opinion. But these beliefs are like, I'm seeing that they're wrong and I'm still believing them. So then there's an extra thought going, you have no hope, you know, there's no like, you can't change those, you have to keep on believing or some, you know, some kind of sense of this whole uh, habitual pattern of stuff is bigger than me, whoever, whoever I am, like, okay. this pattern is so big, I can't overcome it, it's just going to keep me trapped in believing it, and I can't seem to see how not to believe the stuff that's obviously not true. And yeah, okay, I don't know. So, is that a so question? I don't know. Yeah, so here, here, yeah, it's a good question. It's a, con it's a common issue. And it, my head was just like that before awakening. My my mind was very much like that. So um, so I believe you when you say that you can either do it right now or get to the point through meditation where you start to notice the thoughts. Oh, that's a thought. Oh, that's a thought, right? You can do all that. Then yeah. what you said, then what you said was you said, why do I keep believing them when I can see them th that they're thoughts? Now I want to ask you this question in your own experience as immediately as you can answer it. How do you know? You're believing those thoughts in that moment. How do you know you are believing those thoughts? I think there's a thought telling me I am possibly. Okay. How do you it. know? And do you believe that thought? And if so, who or what are you that believes that thought? I don't know. That's a good answer. I want you to stay there. Okay. I want you to stay in that gap of I don't know. But go back through what I just asked you and find out in your own experience when you sit and meditate and you're like, oh, there's another thought. There's another thought. And then all of a sudden you're like, but why do I keep believing the thoughts? I want you to look at that right then in that moment, not reference the past in that moment, but ask yourself, well, wait a minute. I'm seeing all these thoughts, thought, thought, thought. And then another thought comes and says, I believe those thoughts. How do I know I'm believing anything? Where does belief come in? Where does belief happen? Where is it? Where is it? Find it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. I'll just go. Yeah. It's it. fine. It's fine to have no idea, but I, but yeah, but you have a lot of, you have a lot of identity behind that belief that from what yeah. you were just described, you have, there's a buy-in there and that's fine that yeah. there's a buy-in. In fact, it's a good thing. There's a buy-in. I want you to look at what's buying in. Where's that yeah. evidence? I guess the, the, I don't know the thought around that or something is that I, I observe myself behaving out of those beliefs. So I obviously believe them in my day-to-day -day life. So, but then that's not the present moment necessarily, but I'm, I'm, I'm remembering that I behave out of those beliefs going, that's, I must believe them. Why would I behave that way? That's another thought in that moment though. So that's what I want you to do yeah. in those moments is disregard. Those are thoughts in that moment, right? Yeah. Anything about okay. the past, another thought. That's, and yeah. that's fine. But when you really believe it's the belief that's catching you, not a thought. It's the one thought you're not disidentifying from. And the one you're not dis disidentifying from at this point is, I still believe my thoughts. Okay. 
And why do you think that's true? It feels true to you. Why? Where's the evidence for it in your immediate experience when you've become aware of thoughts? Look there. I want you to go in there and look there. Okay, cool. I feel totally yeah. confused now. So I have to just go and you can rewatch this. Rewatch this. Yeah, yeah. And I want you that feeling of confusion is not a mistake. Okay. I'm pushing you a little bit because you asked the yeah. question in a certain way. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Thank the, you. The feeling of confusion does not mean you're doing something wrong when you're doing this. Your mind might go on tilt, like, whoa, 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 where am I? What's going on? That's not a bad thing. Okay. So practice that on your own. And John may well have a whole different thing to tell you. Cool. No, this reminds me. I think you have a chapter on meta beliefs, a belief about beliefs, which might be helpful, which you are somewhat stuck. There's an identity between or with the belief that the beliefs that you find false or true even matter. So you, you're stuck with a belief about beliefs that they really even mean anything, whether you learn that something's true or not. You, you believe that that matters currently. Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. Okay. You have yeah. some material to work with here. Keep it simple. I definitely do. When I you do, have an yeah. active mind, these simple yeah. investigations are critical. Keep it simple and direct, but don't settle for more thoughts. Keep looking, keep pushing. Like, like if somebody says, like, okay, let's, I'll, I'll give you a totally different type of analogy before what I want to tell you. It's like, if so, if you see somebody holding a, a gold coin in their hand and you know it's real gold and they walk into a room of your house and they're in there for a few minutes and they walk back out and they don't have it anymore. And you know, they hid it somewhere in your room and you walk into that room and they go, no, I didn't hide it in here. Are you going to just believe them? Or are you going to look for it because you get to keep it, right? I want you to look with that kind of tenacity in when you ask yeah. these, this question, okay? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Very Thank cool. You. Great question, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thank you everyone so much. Uh, it's been an awesome day uh, of inquiry and we just ran out of hands up, which is perfect for the time. John, thank you so much. Your answers were awesome. Uh, and I'm sure everyone's going to get a ton out of this when we uh, post it as well later. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you. You're very welcome. Okay, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks. Thanks, Angela. Bye. Angela, bye. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Angela and John. Wonderful. My pleasure. Thanks, Angela and Tom. Welcome. Thank you, Angela and Tom. You're welcome. Thank you, Angela and John. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Mm -hmm.